Empire Live from Studio 6B on a Monday night, getting the week started. Going to be a short week. Let's do some housekeeping to start. Well, first of all, Paul Nolan's here with the news. How are you? I'm good. I how's... identify as a uh, bag of produce today. Okay. How was the weekend? It was nice. Very good. Uh, Rick Delgado's here. How are you? I am well, thank how was, you. How was the weekend? Uh, you know, uh, uh, Okay. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that plays well. Um, Rick Gamarotti, how are you? Hey, Big D, how are you today? I'm doing good. How was your weekend? Terrible. Just terrible. <laughs> I just, no, no. I, I, I live my life around sports. What a bad move. Advice. Don't live your life and make your happiness about sports. Okay. Here's advice part two. <laughs> Here we go. Don't gamble against Big D on sports. <laughs> yeah, because Big D's making some great picks. <laughs> well, well, just he's not making picks. He's letting you make the picks. I know. So, hey, Geo friend here hold, holding it down as always. G, do we have an update after the weekend? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so. Oh, oh go. my goodness. Ten I've got both birds now. I've got the full Bitcoin. I've oh. got some cash. I got, look. And I got my got, shirt on. I got six different birds here, so I got you know this is my collateral here. We have a climate change issue going on on the other side of the screen because the water—it's just getting deeper. It's like <laughs> it's like Pelosi just buying that big mansion down in Florida on the ocean. She's not too worried about Rick's deer. She's not too worried about the oceans rising. It's I'm early. getting a little worried about the oceans rising in that picture, though. It's early. It's early. Yes, still. it is. Plenty of plenty of time. No problem at all. Uh, there is a game tonight, and I guess we should get to it before it kicks off. Monday Night Football, obviously, Tampa Bay and New York playing in Tampa Bay. The Bucks are 11-point favorites. Big Blue coming to town. Brady and the Giants have a lot of history. What do you um, – are you going to play this game? I'm going to play this game. Of course, it kicks off in 18 minutes. Um, I will take oh, – I'll tell you, the Giants, I know they're going to hang tough. But for oh, some... boy, just, you don't sound – you just don't sound ready to – You know what? Here. I'm one to go with the favorites. You know how I roll. I'm going to take Tampa, lay the 11, and hope they cover. That's and we'll been put, working for we'll put, we'll put We'll put two. That's my max for right now. Two okay. Points. So you'll take Tampa minus 11. Very good. Um, well, hope you all had a good weekend as well. Welcome on in on a Monday live from Studio 6B. So back to the housekeeping. So we're obviously on tonight. We're on tomorrow. And then we're going to be off the rest of the week, obviously, for Thanksgiving as uh, traveling on Wednesday. People want to get to where they're going. And uh, we hope you have a safe and obviously wonderful week with family. Uh, if you're so inclined to do that and you are doing that, hopefully you have a great week. Make sure you wear your Let's Go Brand shirts to the, to the table. And uh, so we'll be on Monday, Tuesday, and then we're going to be taking the rest of the week off. We'll be back the following Monday. So that's the schedule for the week. Um, lots in the news today to talk about. Jerome Powell is back at the Fed, and the, mini, the money printer continues to go burr. We'll talk about that. Crazy town coming up. Uh, Joe Biden tests out his uh, stand-up comedy, G says. Oh, nice. At the turkey pardon. So that should, be, <laughs> that should be good. But we have to start where real-life policies meet real-life disasters and tragedy. And that is this story of Daryl Brooks. And I'm just I'm taking <sighs> from the post-millennial here. They have the most updated story that I saw. Uh, Daryl Brooks has now been charged with five counts of intentional homicide uh, for this massacre, terrorism, whatever you want to call it. That's what I'll call it. Unlike the, the narrative you're getting from the media, which is really just, this, you know, 
why people hate the media. Sometimes you, uh, you have to be reminded on why they're so despised is because of things like this. They jump to these narratives because he's not a white guy that they can um, go after. Oh, he was running from a different scene and he was this and he was that. No, no, no. It's clearly intentional. And quite frankly, it seems to me that it would be almost terrorism, almost homegrown terrorism, it seems to me, given a little bit of the history that's come out now. So from the post-millennial here, Daryl Brooks Jr. has been charged after allegedly driving his vehicle into the Christmas parade in Wisconsin. Police say that Brooks intentionally drove into the crowd, also injuring more than 40 people. Brooks, now, now so this is where real-life policies and real-life um, lunacy on the part of the left come into real life. Brooks was also to have found to have been arrested previously, like not that long ago, for running over a woman with his car, which I have more details on that, which I'll get to in a second. He was released on November 11th, 11 days ago, after having posted what is being called an inappropriate low bail of $1,000 in the domestic violence case against him, which is still very much ongoing, according to the Milwaukee County DA's office. Cut 11G. Let's start there. Roll that. Well, we are learning more about the five people killed when a man ran them down as they took part in a Christmas parade. That happened in southeast Wisconsin. Police say the suspect had just been involved in a domestic dispute. Waukesha, Wisconsin Police Chief Daniel Thompson says the 39-year-old Milwaukee man was quickly apprehended. The subject was taken into custody a short distance from the scene, and we are confident he acted alone. There's no evidence that this is a terrorist incident. Investigators say the suspect, identified as Daryl E. Brooks, fled from a nearby angry dispute Sunday afternoon where he may have wielded a knife, fleeing in his red SUV, later smashing through barricades past waving police, plowing through dozens of adults and children at the annual Waukesha Christmas Parade. And immediately after that, I just heard deafening screams and cries from, from people who are in the parade, people who are watching the parade. Killed in the horrific incident, all adults were Virginia Sorensen, Leanna Owen, Tamara Duran, Jane Kulik, and Wilhelm Hospel. 18 children tragically injured as well, at least half a dozen of them in critical condition. Brooks facing five counts of first-degree intentional homicide with additional charges pending. The suspect said to have a substantial criminal record, most recently charged with reckless endangerment, battery, domestic abuse, and resisting arrest, but he was freed on a 1,000 cash bond this month. The relatively low cash bond drawing scrutiny. The office of the district attorney for Milwaukee County in a written statement saying, quote, the state's bail recommendation in this case was inappropriately low in light of the nature of the recent charges and the pending charges. In the last part there is what I was going to get to. Um, the Milwaukee uh, District Attorney says that the suspect should not have been released 
on such a low cash bond earlier this month. They're conducting an internal review. Well, tell that to the five dead, 40 injured, children among them, that he shouldn't have been released. And here's what's really, if you needed any more evidence that this party is so tone deaf and out of touch and really dangerous, here's the tweet today from AOC. Put this up, G. Put it full screen so I can read it. She says, today, this is today now, of all days, today we sent a letter to Representative Maloney and Representative Raskin to New York City's five district attorneys requesting information on excessive bail in the New York City court system. When prosecutors seek excessive cash bail, it results in increased rates of incarceration, particularly for low-income defendants. On a day that you have this guy charged with five intentional manslaughter, and we find out that he tried to run over a woman 11 days ago and was released on a thousand dollars. And she's arguing for more of it on the same day. Rashida Tlaib oh God. appeared, do I have this, G? 13. She appeared on Axios this weekend. And she was asked about the bill that they're pushing, currently pushing for, that will release not only more of this, it will release everybody. Just listen to this. Roll that. In 2020, you endorsed as, uh, the Breathe Act which is a series of proposals to transform America's criminal justice system Mm -hmm. and create, quote, a roadmap for prison abolition. The Breathe Act proposes emptying federal detention facilities within 10 years. To what extent have you wrestled with any potential downsides of releasing into society every single person who's currently in a federal prison? Yeah, again, I think that everyone's like, oh my God, we're gonna just release everybody. That's not that's what, what I'm, the, that Yeah, says. but did you see how many people are mentally ill that are in prison right now? Yeah, no, you know. no, but the act that you so endorsed we're gonna keep, we're actually says release everyone. But in 10, in 10 years. years, but think about it, who will release But there are like human traffickers, oh, I know. child sex. So, but I you're mean, saying, do you mean that oh you don't God. actually support that? Wow. No. You, you endorse the bill. No, I endorse the Breathe Act and looking at federal uh, the policies and how we incarcerate. Absolutely. But it says in there. But you cannot, you cannot. You cannot just blankly say, oh, look, she wants, that's not what I'm saying. But that's like in plain text. Yeah. It's written there. So she can't deny, you know, she can't, she can't sit there and say, oh yeah, I support this and I I want this to happen. And then deny what's written in there because that, that, you know what you can, you can keep peeing on me all you want. I know it's not raining lady and all these, these members of the Jihad squad, you know, that they're they're just they are the worst of the worst types of people. They're the types of people that you know what. I don't know. At some point, at some point, when do we start mobilizing and and really actively? People vote for her. Exactly. How do we get the ones that say, "Hey, you know, she's a lunatic," to like get her out of there and vote her out? It's 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 almost like they don't exist, and and it's frightening.
that there are more people that are thinking, oh, she sounds smart. No, she's a moron. And you're a bigger idiot for following along. You're only setting yourself up for your own destruction. You think about the fact that we're at a point where you can try to run somebody over with a car and you're out and in less than a day on $1,000 and then you go and, and kill five people by ramming your car in through a parade. And by the way, when these guys stand up there and they say, well, there's no evidence that it's terrible, what do you need? What, what, was he... We know he wasn't running from another scene. What evidence do you need that this is homegrown intentional terrorism here at home? Yeah. What other motive is there if it's not? I can't wait to hear it's Rittenhouse's fault and that verdict's fault. I can't wait till they find a way to blame that verdict on this. All right, we'll spend a lot of time on this tonight. We'll do some new sports all coming up live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Short week, but we're glad you're in. We're back right after this. Seventeen past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Glad you're in on a Monday. Hope you all have a great week, like we said. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you get some time to celebrate with family, get some downtime, relax, recharge, and uh, get ready for uh, December. Man, the oh, year's gone wow. by so fast, hasn't it? Um, all right, let's do some sports. And here with that is uh, Slick Rick, Rick Amorati. Visit him on Twitter, at Slick Rick Sports. Were you tweeting this weekend during the games? Nope. Okay. I wasn't happy. That's a and good way I'm to not do happy, I don't tweet. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> right. That's the way to build up those numbers. All right, let's do <laughs> what's going on in sports. All right. Well, following that story with Waukesha, um, the Waukesha Christmas Parade, NFL Watts Brothers lead reaction to deadly tragedy. All three siblings were born in Waukesha, where they attended Pewaukee High School. This is from Paulina Dodge of Fox News. NFL players J.J. Watt, Derek Watt, and T.J. Watt spoke out on social media last night after the driver of a red SUV plowed into a Christmas parade in their home state of Wisconsin, killing five and injuring dozens more. Arizona Cardinals defensive end J.J. Watt took to Twitter after learning of the horrific incident that took place in his hometown of Waukesha. Just now seeing what happened at the holiday parade back home in Waukesha tonight, horrific images, his tweet read truly hoping everyone is going to be okay and those not involved are now safe thankful to everyone who rushed to action and helped the wounded and pittsburgh steelers star tj watt retweeted jj's message and posted on instagram absolutely devastated thinking of all the families affected by tonight's tragedy he wrote tj watt's girlfriend danny rhodes a former wisconsin badges soccer player also asked for prayers on instagram stories so once again it does affect sports as well, and uh, wow, could you imagine three big superstars like that? And that was their that was their, their their school, and that's where they grew up. Just unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, and sticking with college football now, let's move over to uh, number seven. Michigan State got walloped by Ohio State, who's now moved to number. 
2, OSU. They won 56-7. QB, C.J. Stroud had six touchdowns in the first half alone. Boy, OSU is coming strong to Buckeyes. Uh, Oklahoma has now jumped to number 10, and they beat Iowa State 28-21. Number one, Georgia continued to roll. The dogs are now 11-0. They walloped Charleston Southern 56-7. Notre Dame looking good. The Fighting Irish now jumped to number five with a 55-0 win over Georgia Tech. Alabama, tough game, tight tight score there. 42-35 over Arkansas, and Alabama's uh, holding steady at number three. Wisconsin uh, dropped to number 18 after their 35-28 win over Nebraska. They didn't cover for me. And uh, Cincinnati also looking good. They rolled SMU as expected, 48-14. They've jumped to number four. The Bearcats are also undefeated at 11-0. And uh, number six, Michigan, 59-18 over Maryland. And uh, last but not least, uh, number three, Oregon, has now dropped to number 11 after they were upset in Utah by number 23, uh, Utah, 38 38- to seven, big upset on uh, you pick Saturday another. Night. You pick another Maryland game, you're fired. <laughs> Five That's days. my only lock, Big D. I get stuck with them three <laughs> weeks in a row. That's my only lock. And some good news out of the golf world: Tiger Woods swings golf club in video with outstanding health update. It appeared to be first visual evidence of Tiger Woods swinging a club since the February crash. This is from Ryan Gatos of Fox News. Tiger Woods posted an amazing update on his health months after suffering a devastating le- leg injury in a Los Angeles car crash that put his professional golf career in jeopardy. Woods posted a video with a two-word message, making progress. The video that you can see shows him swinging a golf club and looking like he still has it. It appeared to be the first visual evidence of him hitting a ball and swinging a club uh, since February. He still had the black uh, compression sleeve on his right leg while he was on course. And they're saying the 21-22 PGA Tour is already underway with a December break on the horizon. There are 15 tournaments on the docket before the 2022 Masters in April. It appears there's hope Woods may be back that t- in time. Now, that was written. I didn't write that big D. That's a long stretch to see Tiger back on the course, but nobody would be smiling more than me. I'd love to see it. Okay. Rapping sports, big D. Okay. Back to you. All right. Very good. Um, Tiger looked good there. He said making progress. Swing looks good. Of course, his, swing is, his revamped swing is timeless, so it's as smooth as could be there. Hitting probably yeah. a wedge there or whatever. Yep. It looks good. Good for Tiger. Looks just like me out there on the range. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, hitting, he's hitting a wedge 205. Yeah, well, not anymore, but probably uh, 170. Um, all right, let's do some news. And here with the news is Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, more accusers for uh, Andrew Cuomo. The total of 12 women have allegedly been sexually harassed by the former New York governor. According to a report from the New York State Legislature, uh, uh, Attorney General Latita James uh, had a report of 11 women, but separate investigations from the New York Assembly Judiciary Committee included allegations from Sherry Ville, a businesswoman who Tom Cuomo and others visited as they toured flood damage in, Ro- flood damage in Rochester in 2017. She said that his conduct towards her was uncomfortable, according to the report. Uh, in addition to that, The report also found that Cuomo had misused state resources in promotion of his book, American Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 Pandemic. And uh, the the report noted uh, that that he said, we have reviewed the evidence demonstrating that the former governor utilized the multiple times uh, and state employees as well as his own to further personal gain during the global pandemic, a time during which... The former governor touted the around-the-clock state responses to the crisis, according to this report. So, he's uh, he's been, he's you know he's he's in it. 
He's yeah. Here, so. uh, John Rigazillo, I guess it's pronounced, has an article on Cuomo today, too. And he's basically, now you, you said that was from Letitia James, what you were talking yep. about? So he has a report, I guess, was also released by the New York State Assembly, which, of course, Doug Smith is a part of, right? Rick? Yes, absolutely. Doug Smith's part of the Assembly? Yep. yep. So they released a report, found that the that Cuomo engaged in sexual harassment against former staffers, unethically utilized state employees to help write and publish his memoir, and mis- now this is the one, because this we talked about on the show, and, and Doug is the one who brought this up. Misled the public about the impact of the virus on nursing home residents in his state and mm. misled authorities on the safety standards of the governor, Mario M. Cuomo Bridge, mm. allowing the bridge to open despite knowing that there were safety concerns with its structural components. Remember when Doug brought that yeah, up yep. on the show? Yes, yeah. absolutely. The fact that they raced to rename it and then raced to open it? Mm-hmm. Well, now it's officially in this report. The report was initially intended to guide impeachment proceedings against Cuomo, but of course he resigned on August 10th, rendering the inv- investigation moot. Uh, the report was instead released to the public on Monday. And so it goes through all of this, the sexual harassment, the, uh, the nursing home deaths, and some of the other things, as Doug Smith rightly pointed out in this show, everything should be under review that this guy did. All the pet projects, the renaming of the bridge, the stuff at LaGuardia, the stuff downtown in New York City, the, um, all of it. And so I don't know how much of that this report looked at, but it certainly looked at the, the COVID deaths, the book, and the, um, and the Governor Cuomo Bridge. And even with all of this, only here in New York can you get a governor to take over for Cuomo that makes you long for Cuomo to come back. Scary. <laughs> exactly. Unbelievable. I was seeing the exact same thing. Oh, boy. Yeah. Only in New York can you get somebody who's worse than the guy who just had this um, report released against him. I mean, and that's exactly what we have. Grabbing fannies, killing fannies, and now trying to just and just using all the state funds to, to line his coffers. This guy's a... It's scary, and he's yep. better than what we have. Oh, boy. And Here's he is we... better than what we have. And I see that there's now um, other places in New York. I can't remember the name of the uh, township that is now um, going full, full COVID fascism on locking down again. That if you don't have, uh, if you can't prove full vaccination, you're, you're almost not going to be allowed to participate in um, anything going on. I can't remember exactly where in New York, but I remember the headline being New Yorkers just hate their residents. I mean, New York hates its residents, which yeah, is... It's coming. You know, we see it's happening in Austria and all over Europe and, you know, it's happening in Australia. And The video of the guy in Australia, the guy was... That guy was evil. Evil. The buggy-eyed, shift-faced looking... Yeah. Oof. Oof. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. We'll do some more news when we get back. Studio 6B on a Monday night. 
So, um... Man accused of killing five at Waukesha Parade had a 20-year rap sheet released from jail two days prior. This from Daniel Horowitz at The Blaze. Late Sunday night, it appeared that the Waukesha attack would dominate the news cycle for the upcoming holiday week. After all, it's not every day that a madman plows his car at full speed into a Christmas parade, killing five and injuring 40. Yet, by the time we woke up on Monday morning to search out information on the alleged attacker, attacker we could barely find any mainstream media, media articles probing the background of the suspect. Well, now we know why. Daryl Edwards Brook Jr., 39, of Milwaukee, was arrested Sunday night and at the time of this article being published is being held as a person of interest in the attack where the red Ford Escape can be seen plowing into the Christmas parade in Waukesha, an act that resulted in at least five fatalities. And now we know he's charged. Brooks is a rapper who goes by the name Moth Boy Fly on social media and had just posted on the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict prior to the attack. While we don't know if he was motivated by BLM or Antifa-related sentiments, we do know that he is a career criminal who was just released from jail on almost no bail. According to court documents, Brooks was charged in Milwaukee on November 5th for resisting an officer, felony bail jumping, second degree recklessly endangering safety with domestic abuse assessments and disorderly conduct and battery. Brooks was released on Friday on just $1,000 bail, despite a prior rap sheet. Even if one believes that these crimes don't warrant his being held pretrial on a higher bail threshold, the fact remains that he was charged with multiple crimes while already out on bail for other felonies. If he had just still been in custody, five people may not be dead today. In July 2020... Brooks was charged with two felonies, use of a dangerous weapon and possession of a gun as a felon, which is also a felony. We are finding throughout the country that gun felons with prior violent records are being released on low or no bail at all. Brooks was released in February 2021 on just $500 that time. Heavy.com obtained his full rap sheet from Wisconsin court records and found charges of battery, gun misuse, strangulation, and suffocation, and property destruction dating as far back as 1999. Also, someone with his name and year of birth and with a picture that matches Brooks' description is registered as a Tier 2 sex offender on the sex offender registry in Nevada. There's actually a video online of Brooks discussing the incident in Nevada where he claims he didn't know that the girl was only 16 years old. On October 18, 2006, there was a deposition in Washoe County Court against a man with the same name for statutory sexual seduction. In June 2016, he was charged in the same court for failing to obey sex offender laws. His social media posts are replete with anti-police, black nationalist rhetoric. The tragedy 
is that a man with a history of violence and a history of gun felonies is now accused of killing five people with a vehicle. This case demonstrates once again that guns don't kill career criminals who go undeterred and unpunished do. As I've noted in my columns on Indiana last week, aside from the culture of leniency that has permeated the justice system in all 50 states, the COVID shutdowns have caused such a backlog in the courts that high-level criminals are being released on low bail indefinitely with no court date in sight. This is a forgotten yet potent casualty of the lockdowns that will reverberate through our society for years to come. We need more funding for prosecutors and courts aimed and targeting repeat violent offenders and for enforcing three strikes and you're out laws. Whether the attack was motivated by anti-white or anti-police animus is yet to be seen. But the clear implication from this case is that there are likely thousands of violent criminals out on the streets because of weak sentencing, pretrial bail policies, and backlogs in the court. Any state legislature that fails to deal with this systemic problem during the upcoming 2022 legislative sessions will have blood on their hands for years to come. Unfortunately, there is never a clamor from the public to learn from the lessons of these attacks because they are frequently complete information blackouts from the mainstream media when the facts don't fit their narrative. Indeed, the Waukesha attack is likely to become the new Vegas shooting. That from Daniel Hoare, what's in the blaze? Cut 12, G, let's continue here with these kind of no bail policies and what it leads to. Play that. In the past two years alone, we found at least 16 murder cases where the person charged was on probation or parole and had already been charged with another serious crime. If they'd been revoked, it could have put them behind bars at the time of the alleged killing. Need PD. Body lay next to a car. Like Alexis Saborit, charged with a murder so brutal, witnesses didn't believe their eyes. I didn't think it was real. Watching as Saborit allegedly cut off America Thayer's head with a machete in broad daylight on the Shakopee Street. I don't understand killing anybody. I don't understand anybody doing that, but certainly not to disgrace and to just de-face. Charles Thayer, disgusted by how his mother was killed, but tragically, not surprised, given Saborit's history. The abuse is so much that you can't even air some of the things that I could describe to you. Even before he'd met America and moved to Minnesota, Saborit had multiple convictions in Louisiana, including one in which he tried to stab his then-girlfriend. An undocumented immigrant, the U.S. unsuccessfully tried to deport him. Then, in 2017, convicted of abusing Thayer, but given only probation after she intervened. And while still on probation, police say this happened. He's holding a lighter in a gas can. Documents show Saborit, waving a machete, attempted to burn down his own apartment building with others still in it. The fire is growing significantly. The fire is growing significantly. That arson could have been the last straw for any judge. Instead, Saborit was released again allowed to remain on the street even after his probation officer checked a box that his continued release would endanger safety, especially America Thayer's safety. When she met this guy, 
everything about her life started going downhill. According to an indictment, Saborit told investigators on the day she died, Thayer was threatening to leave him. Do you think had he been locked up, it would have been easier for her to get away? Certainly. Instead, authorities say Saborit, a man who should have already been in jail, killed her. Yeah. Illegal immigrant here, not supposed to be here. Kills. Not locked up. Out on easy bail. Completely above the law. He can do whatever he wants. As long as he votes Democrat, you're right. That's Just what they want. Total, That's what they're importing. Total lawlessness. And importing is a good word. And they're doing it on purpose. Meanwhile, the narrative from the you know, left-wing media is constantly, if Rittenhouse was a black kid, right. you know, he would have been shot 30, 40 times. He would have been in jail forever. Yeah, okay. All right. Like the mayor of CHOP. Walking around with, with all kinds of giving out guns to everybody, okay. And they've still been able to twist the th- the, the the Rittenhouse thing into a into a black white racist thing. It's a white kid shot two white guys, and somehow it's a it's a white supremacy. The whole the whole thing has been twisted. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get to cut fifteen in one second, G. Um, here's the thing I want to know, and if you guys have thoughts on this, jump in. How is this not? How do you explain? This, what happened here, as not um, driving your car, purposely ramming the car into children and adults at a parade. How is that not a terrorism? Parade. How is it, how is how it not a hate crime? How do you explain it away? Yeah. How is it not a racist hate crime? How is it not, I mean, if it was Catholics, and they don't have right, right? So if this was Muslims, it would be Islamophobic. If it was Jewish, it would be anti-Semitic. But... I mean, do, do Catholics have, I mean, are they, do they, do this, they can't be victims of a hate crime too. So like, think about how the, like, how they use race on so many levels at everything. And then this happens and there's not even a touch of it. Not even a, not even a whiff of this being a hate crime, a, a crime of race. Well, it has to be. See, and this is, this is the thing that we have to understand. Um, that's how they play the game. That is how we should play the game. Throw everything at them. Let them stammer and and shimmy and shake. And, what does and that mean, though? Flip throw around. I mean, no, he means like, like play the, the race card verbally. Yeah, verb. But just, we we would have to own the the left wing media, right? You know what I mean? Like, well, would have you to don't even home. have to own it. You just have to keep putting it out there. Keep no putting it will. out there. Fox won't do it. Maybe we could, but we can't. You know what I mean? We'll be crucified in the court of public opinion if we say anything along these lines. Why? It's a hate crime. Yeah, Just I'm as you with... described it. Make, make it any other religion. If, the, if it would have been a bunch of Muslims marching down the street and somebody drove through, oh, that's a hate crime. Same thing. It's the same exact I'm with you. you thing. You know I'm with right. you. No, I know. But I mean, th- we can't just say it and and hope that somebody else hears it. We just got to keep reminding people of it. But they and, say, and that's uh, what the that's what the mainstream media does. It just keeps pounding the same message in the same narrative. So after a little while, it's almost like the fear thing. After a little while, everybody's afraid because they've been they've been plowed with fear for so long that that's what they think. Oh, we have to get a shot because we're afraid. You know, everything, everything, everything is uh, white supremacy. Everything is not white supremacy. Everything is reversed. They're just trying to convince us it's white supremacy. We, we've never seen lawlessness like we're seeing in some parts of this country. 14, G. Um, this is what's going on 
in a lot of Democrat-run cities, specifically San Francisco, that I know of. Roll that. More retailers are now taking action after this series of really brazen smash and grabs. Thieves are entering stores at all hours of the day, and some are making off with up to a million dollars in goods. The latest robbery on Saturday in San Francisco, 80 thieves running into a Nordstrom, stealing goods and smashing shelves. Officers stopping one car, arresting a man and a woman, and then a third suspect was caught on foot. A day earlier, also in San Francisco, more than $1 million in merchandise was stolen after thieves broke into several Several stores that day. Walgreens is already closing several San Francisco stores after videos of brazen shoplifters went viral, including video appearing to show a man riding his bike out of a store with a bag full of stolen items. And the Chicago area has also been hit hard. Just last week, 14 suspects ran into this Louis Vuitton store, grabbing $120,000 in purses and other items before fleeing in getaway cars. And police say in that case, the store's security guard was on a break. Oh, like he didn't work there. Right. He didn't work there. Uh, yeah, guys. I'm leaving on my break in 30 seconds. Synchronize your watches. 29 seconds. Boom. Like the, that, a store owner shouldn't be allowed to shoot people who are stealing all his goods. I mean, in what world do we yeah. live in? I, I think it, we are coming down. You know, you see the Kyle Rittenhouse case. You know what? You get, they're going to pick the wrong store one day. And they're going to be talking about dead people. It's going to be people with masks on trying to rob them. All right, live from Studio 6P, a little more news, more sports coming up. Been a fast hour one. Glad you're in on a Monday night. We're back right after this. to the hour live from studio 6b i just can't get over that aoc tweet i just can't get over it today i mean just how stupid can one person be how unserious tone deaf and stupid she's that on a day that a guy on a thousand dollar bail just mows down uh adults and children and this is her immediate response to put this tweet out. How can we get more violent criminals out? Because when prosecutors seek excessive cash bail, you know, it results in an increased rate of incarceration. I mean, how sick can you be than that tweet on this day? I guarantee she's going to go further. One, she, she's, We've only seen the beginning of her depravity. Man, oh man, I'll tell you. All right, let's do some sports. And here with that's Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? Epic D. You want to do an NFL rundown from the weekend? Um, Colts 41 to 15 over the Bills. In the running back, Jonathan Taylor with five touchdowns. Washington football team 27 21 over the Panthers to spoil Carolina quarterback Cam Newton's homecoming. And the Ravens 16 13 over the Bears. Baltimore quarterback uh, Tyler Huntley fills in for Lamar Jackson with a big win. Uh, the Browns 13 10 over the Lions, up 13 0 in the first half, and they held on for D life as the Lions try to make a comeback. 49ers, 30-10 over the Jaguars. Niners move to 5-5 five and five back in the wild card hunt. And the Vikings, great game. I caught this game phenomenal. Probably the best game of the day. 34-31 to 31 over the pack. Uh, 
Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers on a bad toe with 385 yards and four touchdowns was beaten on a Greg Joseph 29-yard field goal as time expired, and this time the Vikings got the win in Minneapolis. The 4-7 and seven Dolphins and the 2-8 and eight Jets, what could you expect? Not a whole lot of fireworks, but the Dolphins did win 24-17, to 17, and they won their third straight game, Miami. Eagles 40-29 to 29 over the Saints. Philly quarterback Jalen Hurts uh, had 69 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Woof. That boy can run. Uh, Texans 2-8 and eight, uh, with the upset of the day, possibly of the season, over the Tennessee Titans, 22-13. to 13. The Titans fall to 8-3. and three, And, uh, wow, Tennessee quarterback Ta- uh, Ryan Tannehill with four picks. Just not their day in that rain. And that was a really – nobody saw that one coming. Or at least oh, I didn't. Oh, somebody did. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Wow. Good pick there. Holy Nolan. Uh, and uh, Bengals 32-13 uh, over the Raiders in Vegas. Lackluster game there. Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, 19-9 over my Cowboys. Give credit where credit's due. That Chris Jones defensive tackle for the Chiefs, three and a half sacks and a fumble recovery. That boy absolutely destroyed the Dallas Cowboys' uh, momentum and their line altogether. Great game. Wreaked havoc on them. But you have no concerns. You're in the NFC East. I mean, you have, I mean, you have Philly in second, but they're not even close. I mean, we got a four or five game lead. No, no, two and a half game lead, two and a half game lead. And they, they play them twice. And they play them one more time. They already oh, played them once. Time. I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. But no, you're right, Big D. They're in a decent spot. But hey, you know, Cowboys, but they got to win. Mike McCarthy is a coach, so. No, nah, I know. Plus, they have two wide, they're down two wide receivers possibly on Thanksgiving. That's not going to help them either. And the Cardinals, 23-13 over the Seahawks. Cards are 9-2. and two. Call it what it is. They're doing it without their quarterback, Kyler Murray. Three straight wins. And, uh, hey, you got to say, that's the top team in the NFL right now, the Arizona Cardinals. Hats off to them. That was and, a question I asked Paul Nolan on radio today. I said, who's the best team in the NFL? Man, you can't figure it out. But you might be right. Maybe it's Arizona. Yeah, I think it is. You got it. They they're, they're beating everybody. And the Chargers with a great one, another wild one. Sunday night games are just unbelievable. And uh, yeah, they they won. Uh, Al Michaels with the kibosh on the Steelers. They're all in two hundred and thirty eight when they're down seventeen nothing, seventeen nothing, uh, seventeen points in the fourth quarter. And they almost came back. They tied it up in a wild game. But uh, Justin Herbert just too much. Not only did he have three hundred eighty two yards in the air and three touchdowns, big day. He also rushed for ninety yards. The young man, so just incredible. And uh, Giants and Tampa. Tampa, last time I got a chance to check, the Tampa was up 7-3 on the strength of a Chris Godwin, 13-yard touchdown pass from Brady, and then Graham Gano with a 37-yard field goal for the Giants. 7-3, start of the second quarter, but I know Tampa was driving as I came on with the report. Yeah. Um, and I'll go back to you, Big D. I got a couple other stories, but I'm going to turn it back to you. All right, very good. Um, let's do some news now, and here with the news is Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? You know, I just wanted to touch on this. It's um, just an interesting story. A team of over 1,000 lawyers and 10,000 medical experts, led by Dr. Reiner uh, Fulmick, uh, have begun a legal process against the CDC, the WHO, and the Davos Group for Crimes Against Humanity. They are calling this um, uh, the Nuremberg II trial against world leaders. And uh, they so far, Fulmick and his team represent the faulty PCR tests and other doctors uh, to label any comorbidity death as COVID death as fraud. The PCR test was never de- designed to detect pathogens that is 100% faulty at, at uh, 35 cycles. All PCR tests overseen by the CDC are set th- at 37 to 45 cycles. The CDC admits that. Any test over 28 cycles are not admissible for a positive, reliable result. This alone invalidates over 90% of the alleged COVID cases. 
And uh, they're also, in addition uh, to the flawed tests and the fraudulent death certificates, the experimental vaccine itself is in violation of Article 32 of the Geneva Convention. Under Article 32 of the 1949 Geneva Convention, uh, mutilation and medical for scientific experiments not necessitated by the by the medical treatment of a protected person are prohibited. So maybe we'll see in a little more pushback at a higher level in the courts. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, the problem is I don't know what you know. The problem is if you don't hear about it here, you're never going to hear about that. And um, I don't know what what is the goal there. What's the goal? What could they? What is it? What do they set out to try to accomplish? I think at the end of the day, they're trying to accomplish. Enough with these monolithic, incredibly powerful, borderless, loyalist, monstrous uh, groups like the WHO and the Davos group from being able to mandate all kinds of power and medical tyranny over people. So I think, it'll, if anything, if it just brings a touch of attention or yeah. slows them down a hair, uh, you know, you know I, good I, on listen, them. I don't think I don't think the world needs a lot of motivation to get up for being against these. You're seeing the videos. From all over the world, I mean, if you take them to be truthful with people who are posting them, which I have no reason to think that they're not, you're seeing these revolts all over, people gathering in all of these European cities in the town square. You're seeing thousands of people. Um, you know, but what's going on in some place, Austria? And again, you, you get these wackadoos like the guy we're talking about who we saw in Australia. Oh, my goodness. Who, who, who's talking about if you're anti- you're if, Yeah, and, if you're anti-mandate, you're anti-vax, and you're evil, and to go and, shove it. And, and it would be just as simple. Okay, but why do, we have, why do you have skyrocketing cases now more than when, before you had the vaccine? Yeah. You also have more deaths now. Yeah, and they throw you in the gulag for asking that. You know, we that, hear that these job. we hear these dissertations from all of these loudmouth goons uh, on on TV about this stuff. About you know, you can't pay this, so we're going to come find you, and we're going to we're going to shove the needle in your arm. And these leaders, I mean, it's bad enough here in the United States, but it's uh, they never get questioned to answer. They never get put on the defensive to to put, to uh, defend their position, their crazy tyrannical positions on these and the fact that they don't work they may maybe they're effective in the first month two months they'll keep you from dying in the first couple months but they don't work as far as preventing transmission more and more and more breakthrough cases data we're seeing and yet they act like they're 100 percent they're the reason that this thing could come to an end. You've got to get one. You've got to get one booster a week for the rest of your life. Shoot yourself up with this stuff until you start turning green. But don't worry about the green glow because you'll never get COVID. That's what it's like <laughs> yeah, at this right. point. Yeah. <laughs> right and on. they never get, and none of these people ever get questions from the other side to say, well, let me, how do you explain to defend your position when you have X, Y, and Z? I mean, look at how far they're going in some places in these camps, right? These, uh, these, these happy death camps where they just, you, oh, you're sick. You got to go into this little FEMA-type village. It's crazy. All right, that's a wrap on Hour 1, Hour 2 coming up. Crazy town. And uh, while the president's made some decisions on what he's going to do after his first four stellar years... We'll tell you what he's decided when we get back.
schedule, don't you? Our live from Studio 6B, Hour 2 on a Monday night. Glad you're in. Remember, we're on tonight, we're on we're on tomorrow night, and then we'll take the rest of the week off, enjoy Thanksgiving week, recharge, and be ready to roll again on following Monday. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving weekend. Make sure you visit us on all our social media, facebook.com slash LFS6B. Still trying to get that number over 100,000 likes and follows on Facebook. Uh, Twitter, at LFS6B as well. You want to get your Let's Go Brandon shirt, 6bshirts.com, of course. And make sure you please visit our friend Mike Lindell. Holidays right around the corner. Great stuff for the holidays. LFS6B has its own page. Uh, they got great deals there. Look at that. Sale of the year. Giza Dream Sheets, which Paul Nolan is now a proud owner of. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you got them, Paul? <laughs> uh, you got them? Oh, are they breathable or what? <laughs> and machine washable. And what machine color, washable, Paul? yes. I got a nice powder blue to go with Ooh. this very beachy scene that I have in my, nice. in my bedroom. Okay, very Beautiful. good. Uh, so go visit Mike Lindell, <laughs> mypillow.com slash LFS. We have a sand floor. <laughs> I was going to say, you probably get in trouble because you don't wipe your feet off before you get into bed. Couldn't be any easier to get to. Uh, mypillow.com slash LFS6B. Up to 66% off. How? I have no idea. But up to 66% off most items on our page. Pillows, sheets, slippers, towels. Just great stuff. All made in America. Support Mike. Support the show. MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. So before we went to break, I said that the president made um, a couple decisions, Paul Nolan. I hear we may have some, we had some semi-breaking news today. Yeah, um, this is good news. Um, According to uh, Biden, he intends to run for re-election in 2024. (laughs) uh, You know, a little uh, Penelope Pitstop said that's in fact his intention, she told reporter Jen Psaki. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I say to that. And according to the Washington Post, Biden and his closest advisors have been reassuring allies, along with taxidermists everywhere, that he'll be planning on seeking... uh, Man. <laughs> How dare you? Um, yeah, this is good news because if if Trump runs and he runs and, <laughs> Gio, and he wins, we'll know that the last one wasn't rigged and it's just the American people speaking. Saw an article today that said Democrats are praying that Trump wins. I mean, pr- that runs. Praying Trump runs. And I've brought this up before, and I catch uh, a lot. Of, I catch a lot of grief. Uh, catch a lot of grief. Yep. Delgado's got his head in the cloud. Doesn't want to face nope. reality. But I'm telling you, the Democrats look at Trump as their rallying cry. They look at Trump as their rallying cry to bring the party through all the civil war, all the splinters, all the polling, all the everything. What's the one thing that can rally all their hatred together and focus in on one thing? That's it. Uh, You know what? Believe it or not. No, agree with it or not. Yeah, but there's so many, so much less of them. By the time this rolls around, in the last year, just take a look at the uh, the polls, and the polls are rigged. So you know his low his uh, low poll numbers are even lower than they're showing. People do not like this guy. They never have. It's he's like the male Hillary. 
thinks he's entitled. Nobody really likes him. He's all full of hot air. Doesn't know. Doesn't know anything. He's a puppet. He's a racist. Yeah, he's a racist. He's 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 a potential pedo. You know, just all those things. All those things. There are a lot of weird videos of him sniffing and groping children. And not only that, but the FBI confirmed that his daughter's diary must be real because they they're they're going after Project Veritas for it. And considering what she wrote in there. Um, okay. That is one of those things where, you know, like they kick you off, you know, you're hovering over the target yeah, for them to exactly. create such a, an incredible stir, if you will. Oof. I don't disagree with anything you guys are saying. I'm, I'm just, I'm just but saying, I, do, I think I two, do you see two things point. can be true at once. Yeah. Yeah. They're not mutually exclusive. No question. About, and look, you said, no, I've never seen the Dems froth in unison, even when Trump did the best thing in the world for the minority community, they still found a way to call him a racist. And by the way, I'm not saying that I don't want him to run. I do. I'd be happy with him running. I'd be happy with Governor DeSantis running. I have no idea if Governor DeSantis wants to run. Of course, we have business to take care of before we even get to that. And that is the bigger issue, by the way, with this party and the future is, is what happens in the midterms and then what happens in these state legislatures. That's the bigger problem. That affects your life much more directly than who's ever in Washington, as good as they can be. What affects you is what happens on your local school boards, on your state legislatures, by your governor. That's what affects you. That's where we need Republicans who have already supermajorities and hold state legislatures, maybe hold the governorship as well, to actually start playing ball. Yes, the White House is important. Midterms are important. Taking back control of at least the Senate or uh, the House or the Senate or both in a perfect world to stop this insanity we're seeing. But realistically, we need governors, we need state legislatures to get on the ball. That's what we need more than anything to turn this country around. So Well, one of those turns just happened in South Carolina, where this Democratic uh, mayoral candidate, who was endorsed by former President uh, Barack Obama, got his butt kicked by the Republican. So that, that, that's just a precursor of things that are coming. We saw a truck driver win yes. with a $150 campaign budget. <laughs> he defeated the, the, what, the, the, the top Democrat in the state legislature in New Jersey? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, we didn't win the governorship there, but it was a lot closer. Delgado tried to almost called it. I, I bet you if you go and forensic, uh, forensic uh, check that election, we know who won. And it wasn't Murphy. Well, why isn't Chitterelli doing that then? I don't know. Okay. Bigger forces at work, <laughs> I guess. Uh, well, this is all a good lead, and I think to Crazy Town G. Let's see why he's decided that he, now he's going to run for four more years. Even after all of the polling and people being asked, what do you, would you like to see, you know, what would you like to see President Biden do? And most of the polling comes back and says, well, let somebody else or just go retire or please go to the dog track and pin something on you that says, yeah, I used to be Joe Biden and sit there and watch the horses run and drool on yourself. <laughs> but it seems like he doesn't want to do that. So uh, he'd rather drool on himself at the, uh, in the White House. Let's go crazy town, though, and see... Um, I hear he also came through his physical okay, and I think Saki or somebody said there was a big cognitive test that was part of it. 
So doing his colonoscopy. It looks like we're <laughs> looks like we're smooth sailing from here on right, out. So they, let's see if the crazy they found town, polyps on his <laughs> on his frontal lobe. Let's see if uh, let's see if he's <laughs> let's see if we've got less crazy town in crazy town here. Now that we hear he's had this cognitive test, roll it, G. All right, let's see if we can spot a difference here. You know, as a University of Delaware man, I'm partial to blue hens. Well, nope. Today, we're going to talk turkey. Thank you, uh, uh, Pete Sager, uh, chairman of the National Turkey Federation, for continuing the tradition of presenting a turkey to the president that goes back to President Truman. Yes. Yes. I just met your wonderful family, your wife, Krista, who volunteers to get kids vaccinated back home in Jasper. Oh, God. Thank you very much for doing that. And Addie and Ellie, I tell you, they're... If you, uh, your parents will understand the reason I ran for president is so my grandchildren your age could have Secret Service protection because you're lovely young women and your young man who better help celebrate the holiday in which we break the bread for two turkeys named <laughs> that was the, uh, peanut Rimshot. butter and jelly. I have to admit to you, my wife doesn't like me admitting it. That's what I like for lunch, peanut butter and jelly. Presidential oh. flock. That's a group of 20 or so turkeys vying to make it here today. In other words, the turkey presidential primary. Peanut butter and jelly were selected based on their temperament, appearance, and I suspect vaccination status. I... Ugh. <laughs> no, is he? Yeah, the turkey yes, said they suck too. Yeah. It, these two turkeys are getting boosted. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, sure. Yuck, yuck, I yuck, love them yuck. talking to me like this. Secretary Buttigieg <laughs> couldn't be here today, but I'm sorry for Pete and Chaston. Peanut butter and jelly are now the new Indiana power couple. Peanut butter and jelly will be headed to Purdue University, West Lafayette, and West Lafayette, Indiana, where they'll be visit something close to my heart, a train. So, for, folks, what? Turkey what? is infrastructure. Peanut butter and jelly are going to help build back the butterball as we move along. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I hereby, I'm going to walk over, I'm going to pardon this year's turkeys, a national Thanksgiving uh, turkey. Uh, Folks, as I've said before, every American wants the same thing. You want to be able to look the turkey in the eye and tell them everything's going to be okay. And so, folks, it's going to be okay. Look at him. That's a good turkey. Oh, dear. The power vested in me as President of the United States, I pardon you. I pardon you this thing. Turkey's like, this guy's an idiot. This guy's an idiot. (laughs) Why is he trying to sniff me? That's a little strong. Man. Come on, Paul. That's a little strong. Just check him out. Oh. <laughs> this is maybe a little. Hit him with your wing or something. Like his eyes. <laughs> Too much. What's wrong with you? Too much. <laughs> Oh, oh over the we, top. <laughs> Paul's, like, that. Paul's like, did I say that out loud? So I, I guess we have to add to the um, to the job description um, stand-up uh, comedy, right? On Biden? What was that? I don't know. Was Rick A. like moonlighting writing that speech? For the weekend? I don't know. It's like Delgado sent him down like a what even is that that he got wrong. Just messed it up and oh, started his own...
Surprising. Who, who named them peanut butter and jelly, by the way? I mean, come on. It was like a really? bunch of kids I, uh, voted. I okay. think they had to do that so he would be excited about it. <laughs> so he'd remember yeah. what be to like, call Be like, oh, them. I love peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> he'd remember what to call them. Right. Hey, if we make it something he eats every day, he'll remember. <laughs> <laughs> God. It's easy on the gums. Next year it'll be uh, rice pudding. <laughs> <laughs> Here we have rice and pudding. Uh, peach and cobbler. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, he seems ready for he seems ready yeah. for seven more. Seven more, could you imagine? No, I, please come on. Seven no. more hours, maybe. Yeah. All right, G says, so let's go cut sixteen. Oh, Biden after his physical. Let's check it out. Here we go. Roll it. What is the state of your health after this today? Good. We're going to release all the detail. I feel great. Nothing's changed. We're in great shape. And so uh, and I'm looking forward to celebrating my 58th birthday. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, another joke. Good. Wow, he's, he's taking his act on the road. Doctor told me I was full of <laughs> crap when I left. past the hour live from studio 6b on a monday night glad you're in remember we're on tonight tomorrow then off the rest of the week for thanksgiving hope you all enjoy your week whatever you're doing if you're traveling travel safely and uh, we'll be back next monday hopefully uh recharged ready to go having spent some quality time with family and uh ready to go so uh, let's do some more news, and here with the news is Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, defense attorney for Kyle Rittenhouse on Sunday singled out CNN and MSNBC as he lambasted the news media for rash and, and factual errors that preceded oh. the trial with his client, and he, he was acquitted that? for shooting in Kenosha, of course, we all know. Oh. And he said, uh, the attorney, Mark Richard, said, makes me angry that they can't take the time at least to get the generic basic facts correct because it didn't fit the story they wanted to tell. Uh, Richard mentioned inaccurate reporting from CNN and MSNBC singling out morning show host uh, Joe Scarborough for falsely claiming Rittenhouse shot his firearm 60 times. <laughs> you know, he, he said uh, Richard also cited that the reports of uh, Rittenhouse illegally possessing his firearm and illegally crossing the state lines were other things that bothered him. And uh, he went on and on. It was it's just good to see them standing up. And obviously also mentioned President Biden calling him a white supremacist. So I got a feeling we're going to this is the very this is the very beginning of it. We're going to hear a lot about these charges. I'm hoping in civil court. Yeah, I keep hearing more talk about how somehow Biden has uh, is not open to uh, him being sued, which is just nonsense. Of course he is. He has no. He wasn't the president. He has no privilege, no executive, anything. Um, now you can debate whether you think that that's something that he has any chance to ha- have be successful on. I guess that'll be for him and his attorneys to, to decide. Go back and actually listen to what Biden actually said, word for word, and how it could be interpreted. 
but certainly he's got no executive privilege or he's not shielded from it in any which way or form. Yeah, no way. How so, about how about this, guys? How do you interpret this one? President one, Actually, one second before you do that story. What 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 cut G you Let's do 15 before we do that story, G. Roll that. I just heard a moment ago. Do you have any reactions? I, I didn't watch the trial, so I, you know. Please stand by your past comments waiting for him to white supremacy. Well, look, I stand by what the jury has concluded. The jury system works, and we have to abide by it. Even he's Sounds not like slow scared. enough to double down. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's clearly gotten his ear and said, hey, Pops, you may already have enough problems. Don't, uh. Don't comment. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, he, good thing he didn't double. I wish he would have doubled down, though, part of me, but I'm glad it went better off walls with a nation better that he didn't. So Biden said his house uh, burned with his wife in it, adding to his long list of embellished stories. Yesterday, Fox News um, reported that President Biden said last week that his house burned down with his wife, Jill, inside <laughs> before trying to correct himself, adding to his long list of personal stories he's embellished over the year speaking in new hampshire uh, bridge on tuesday about a bipartisan infrastructure plan biden said without this bridge as i said earlier it's a 10 mile detour just to get to the other side and i know having had a house burned down with my wife in it she got out <laughs> safely god yeah. willing and, uh, and that having a significant God. portion of it burn i can tell you 10 mi minutes makes a hell of a difference he said that. This, this was that before or after she tossed Hunter from the second story window and he caught him. I mean, this guy is in La La Land. Just because your Holy imagination moly. runs doesn't mean it actually happened, right? Well, there's right. Well, this brings us back to what I reported on before. I thought I saw a tweet from Jen Psaki, or or maybe it was from someone in the press room that Jen Psaki had said that there was an extensive cognitive. Um, part to his physical checkup, not just the colonoscopy, but the um, whatever full exam he had. If I, I remember guess... right, if this is the if this is what uh, what you're referring to, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I recall someone asking her about this before the physical took place, and they asked if that would be included, and I think she said something like, "Well, it should be," or "I don't see why not," or something like that. Okay, I thought I saw something that said it would, but I could be wrong. I can double back and check. But here's. Um... Either way, it looks like I'm wrong, because here's Anderson Cooper and Dr. Sanjay Gupta talking about Biden's physical. Roll that, Jay. Obviously, there's been a lot of focus on uh, his cognitive abilities, questions raised by, by opponents and others. In, in 2018, the former president now just, had a Just hold it for a second. Measure... Do, do you see what he said, does there? Yep. Why can't Anderson Cooper say, you know, there's been questions about his cognitive ability and giving all of the stammering and things we've seen, maybe they have some merit. No, no. He has to frame it like it's only us whack jobs and political ideology who are questioning what he uh, clearly Anderson Cooper sees is a perfectly fine fit mentally all there uh, person. He has to frame it in a way like we're the ones like, you know, the crazies, they're the ones questioning Biden's. No, it's good reason to question it is what he means to say. There's good question. You know, for all of the Trump can't, he drinks glass. You know what Anderson Cooper did when, we, when Trump glassed the water with two hands? He did four nights on it. 
But, oh, no, it's all you crazies that want to know if Biden's, uh, you know, because all of his uh, critics have been talking about, uh, you know, whatever. It's crazy the way he questions, the way he frames these questions. Go ahead. Mental acuity, was that part of today's test? It doesn't seem like it. I, I read pretty carefully through the doctor's report, and there was, a, they mentioned neurological exam, but that was more in terms of testing motor strength and sensation and things like that. President Trump uh, had something known as the Montreal Cognitive Assessment. Um, it's sort of a screening test uh, for, for dementia. And, um, you know, th there was no mention of that sort of thing here. It is a constant point of uh, discussion, I can tell you, within the geriatrics community. I wrote this book last year about brain health, and, and one of the things that kept coming up was should sort of these types of screening tests, cognitive screening tests, be more commonly done. And there, there's many in that community who believe starting at age 65, there should be some sort of screening uh, that's done. Dr. Ronald Peterson, who runs the Alzheimer's Clinic at Mayo, has, has been somebody who's talked about that. Mm. But as far as we know, for President Biden, we didn't see any kind of test like that performed. And Dr. Gupta, do you think it should be performed? Because does he show any? Oh, of course, no. You never get a follow-up <laughs> like that. No, no, no. Never. Every time I see those two on, all I can think about is Rogan saying, why did you guys lie? And him saying, well, we shouldn't have lied. And then he goes on the next night, and they cover up, and they clip up the Rogan clip, but Gupta on, and they, they, there's no shame. None. Yeah, but the only, the only upside to that whole thing there, Paul, is that uh, in that one episode of Rogan, he had, what, the viewers and the audience of five or six CNN nights? Yeah, well, so, more than that. Yeah. Because I think CNN's best show gets 100,000 views. Right. And I think Rogan got almost 5 million on just wow. that clip on YouTube. Yeah. So and that CNN doesn't even can't touch that. The full show on, on uh, Spotify and all the other clips that people share in it. Yeah, and Vanderbilt can't touch that in terms mm. of numbers. They're, um, but they're just unwilling to actually take the issue on. They want to act like it's not there, like he's perfectly fine, like anyone that questions it is really, you don't know what, why would you bring it up. But they won't, so even the way he asked the question, like I said, they just, they won't even address it or make it that it could be. So, I don't know. It's just the, the idea that this guy is mentally fit is just preposterous. Anybody with any sense looks at this guy and says, he's clearly on the decline, which by the way, at that age, we're all going to be. That's the point. We're not piling on, but you're the president of the United States. We deserve to know if the elevator is actually getting to the top when we see you fall asleep in, in the G7 meetings. <laughs> to be honest, I probably would have been napping too. Well, that's but, true. But, that, but that's his job. But that's my point. We're not, I'm not trying to pile on right. the, the guy's age and the fact that he's slipping. We're all going to be slipping. I'll be happy to make it to that age and start. I'll be slipping by next week. But the idea that they don't want to talk. Okay, fine. <laughs> Just, I'm already slipping. Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> Just don't start sniffing. Damn it.
from Studio 6B. Glad you're in on a Monday night. We skip sports in the second segment, so let's do it now. Here with that's Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, well, we're going to keep an eye on Monday Night Football as we continue down in Tampa. Right now, the Buccaneers, with two minutes to go in the first half, lead the New York Giants 17-10. to And uh, we'll have one more update before we close out the show, hopefully. And uh, NCAA Men's Basketball Division One, good game. Ohio State defeats um, number 21, Seton Hall, 79-76. Cincinnati uh, over uh, number 14, Illinois, 71-51. And Kentucky, number 10, Kentucky, all over Albany, 86-61. And the Washington Nationals sued by ex-employees over over vaccine firing. This is from Larry Brown Sports, posted by Larry Brown. The Washington Nationals are being sued by two former employees who were fired for refusing to comply with the team's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Uh, Larry Pardo and Brad Holman were pitching coaches in the Nats organization. The two refused to get the COVID-19 vaccine for religious reasons and were fired by the Nats as a result. The team instituted the mandate on August 12th that went into effect on September 10th, leading to the firing of both men. Now the two have filed a lawsuit against the club, TMZ Sports reports. Pardo and Holman cited religious reasons for not getting the vaccine, which were developed from or tested on aborted fetal cells. The two are against abortion for religious reasons. They believe they were discriminated against on the basis of religion and are due damages. As of September, the two are also filing a complaint with the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission. So we'll track that story, but very interesting national, the Washington Nationals, big lawsuit. And, uh, well, we got Rory McIlroy rips his shirt after, after disastrous finish at European Tour Finale. This man is coming undone, Big D. Three bogeys in his final four holes led McIlroy to finish with 74 and a tie for sixth place. Paulina Dodge of Fox News following a late meltdown in the final round at the DP World Tour Championship over the weekend. Rory McIlroy was seen tearing his shirt apart after the sixth place finish. McIlroy, 32, entered Sunday's round with a one-shot lead and was looking for back to back titles after a first place finish at the CJ Cup last month, but a chip onto the green at the 15th hole began his downward slide. Three bogeys in his final four holes led McElroy to finish with a 74 and tie for sixth place. American Colin Morcow won the tournament after finishing 17 under par. I know that's a devastating story, Big D. <laughs> there he goes. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. That's right. That's what you get. And uh, that's a wrap in sports. Big D, I'll come back later in the next segment with the update on the Monday night game. All right, very good, Rick. Thanks. Let's, um, let's switch gears here a little bit because the other news of the day, besides the tragedy in Wisconsin, there is some other news I want to get to. And, and the other big story, at least for me, in this, in this show, because we talk a lot about it, inflation and how it's affecting your lives, is the reappointment of uh, Jerome Powell at the Federal Reserve. So a couple things I want to get to. But let's start set the table because Biden – you need proof that he needs a cognitive um, test. Here it is. Cut one. Roll that, G. We've gone from an economy that was shut down to an economy that's leading the world in economic growth. We've gone from small businesses being shuttered to a record number of new small businesses starting up. And we've gone from a devastating job destruction to record new job creation. Don't get me wrong. We still have a long way to go to fully recover from all the pain and destruction caused by the pandemic. And we're still dealing with the difficult challenges and complications caused by COVID-19 that are driving up costs for American families. I know for a lot of Americans, things are still very hard, very hard. But if you look at all the facts, all the facts, you can only come to one conclusion. We've made enormous progress in this country. 
First and foremost, our economy is creating jobs, lots of jobs. In fact, we've seen a record new job growth in America this year. 5.6 million jobs just since I was sworn in in January the 20th. More jobs created at this point in a new presidency than ever before in American history. We have seen a dramatic drop in the unemployment rate from a high of 14.8% in April of 2020 to 4.6% today. Earlier this year, independent experts were predicting it would take until the end of 2023 to see unemployment that low. Our economy is creating new businesses, lots of new businesses. In fact, Americans are starting small businesses at a record rate, up 30% compared to before the pandemic. Economists will tell you that an increase in new businesses is one of the best signs of an economy, an economy that's becoming more innovative and more dynamic. And that's because small businesses aren't just the heart and soul of America. They're not just the bedrock of so many communities across the country. America's small businesses are the primary job creators, innovators, and drivers that power our economic progress. That's why it's a powerful statement about, of the faith about that we have in our country, where our country and our economy is heading, that small business creation is surging, surging in America today, which is why I'm proud to say, if you look at my presidency so far, it's a jobs presidency and it's a small business presidency. So if you look at the facts, here's what the record shows. What? Record job creation, <laughs> record economic growth, record new small business creation. That's the story that should give us confidence about the economy that we're building. Where's he getting this data from? I, I, I have no idea. I, I'm wondering if he's even talking about his president. What's now, he talking about? Was he talking about? about Trump back in 2017? What was that? They have, they have, they they have done everything to incentivize people to stay home. Then they have to cut it off. And they go, oh, look at all the jobs we're creating. How about the guy today? We, we, me and Damon had a break. We go to get a food, and the guy's like, "Like you guys, we were nice." Just he's like, "Hey, man, do you know you know anybody who needs a job? We, you know, we can't get anyone to work. We can't get anyone to work." I'm like, "But there's so many people unemployed." It's like when two log trucks are going past each other. You came from over there. He's coming from. Well, you guys both meet. It's so inefficient. The idea that Biden is the presidency of small business. He's doing everything to kill small business. <laughs> everything. His tax policy, inflation. He de-incentivized work for a year. Every bill, the spending. I'm the, I'm the presidency of jobs and small business. And then he reappoints, and by the way, I think of the two choices, he probably made the better choice uh, because AOC is not happy. Elizabeth Warren is not happy today because he reappointed Jerome Powell to the, um, to the Federal Reserve. And Jerome Powell looks like um, the better choice compared to the other one who was going to be worried about how the Fed was going to solve climate change. 
and all this kind of nonsense. But what we've seen from Jerome Powell over the last four years is obviously never-ending quantitative easing, printing money at a rate we've never seen before. So the stock market only goes up, assets only go up, the divide between people who own assets and people who don't, that gap gets wider. The M2 money supply of this country is going up and to the right at a scale we've never seen before. And only because the rest of the world's currency is being so devalued, just worse than ours, that the dollar is actually showing strength right now, which is stunning. But Biden does um, put Powell back in for another four years. Cut two, G. Roll that. It's the Fed's job to balance two key goals. The first is to achieve maximum employment, to get as many American worker, Americas working, working as possible. And the second is to keep inflation low and stable. To meet these goals is going to require patience, skill, and independence. That's why today... I'm nominating Jerome Powell for a second term as chair of the Federal Reserve. And I'm, non, I'm, nom, I'm nominating Lael Brainerd to take the position as vice chair of the Federal Reserve. When our country was hemorrhaging jobs last year and there was panic in our financial markets, Jay's steady and decisive leadership helped to stabilize markets and put our economy on track to a robust recovery. Jay is a believer in the benefits of what economists call maximum employment. <laughs> maximum printing. <laughs> That's an economy where companies have to compete to attract workers instead of workers competing with each other for jobs. Where American workers get steady wage increases after decades of stagnation. And where the benefits of economic growth are broadly shared by everyone in the country, not just concentrated for those at the top. Jay said it well last month, and I'm going to quote him. He said, and I quote, an economy is healthier and stronger when as many people as possible are able to work. If entrenched inequities prevent some Americans from participating fully in our labor markets, not only will they be held back from opportunities, but the economy overall will not realize its potential. And those who have historically been left behind stand the best chance of prospering in a strong economy. All right, gee, I, can't plentiful I, can't, I, I just can't take it anymore. <laughs> Thank you. Oh I can't take it anymore. Um, like I was at the uh, climate conference. <laughs> well, even what he's saying there, okay, that's the Fed's job, maximum em employ employment and um, keeping, the, um, keeping inflation low. Well, how's he doing? How's he doing? Well, what, what we're not discussing is the fact that when we listen to the Jerome Powell at the Fed, He's talking about, well, we're going we're gonna to pare down our bond purchases of now like $30 billion a month. We'll pare them down by like $15 billion, you know, every month going forward. So we'll end buying, adding trillions of dollars to the balance sheet by next year. But what they don't, but what he doesn't take into consideration is that's, a, that's what the idea that inflation is going to come down to some reasonable level. And before they're going to start raising, you know, they're going to raise rates to start, to start, you know, taking the froth off inflation. Well, I, <laughs> do you think inflation's 6%, then maybe that can work. If it's really 20%, if they raise it 1%, what's it going to do? Well, it's not going to do much. 
So I think the again the year the the story of next year is inflation. I think it uh, really doesn't matter who he put to the Fed. I think he probably picked a better choice. This Brainerd woman is um, oof, seems like she's somewhat off the reservation with what she wants her her monetary policy. Although it sounds like she's going to um, going to be right under him, set her up for maybe a future run. <clears throat> but it'll be money printer goes burr. For four more years, as far as I can tell. How could it not be? I mean, how could it not be? How, how will they keep up with all this unless they keep on printing and printing and keep giving UBI and free money and decentivizing anybody from working? I don't know. I don't want to get into the, the conspiracy stuff, but this happens in Davos, the World Economic Forum, the Bloomberg Economic Forum, all these globalists all have a plan and they know this dollar is going to collapse so let's see what the american people think g cut seven roll it and we begin with a brand new cbs news poll it doesn't have a lot of good news politically for president biden oh. his approval rating is at 44 percent his yeah. lowest in he our wishes. polling since he took office he wishes and it's the economy that is taking a toll on the president's standing as prices for food gas and other items continue to rise 67 percent of americans now disapprove of the mm. president's yeah. handling of inflation yeah that number's going to rise as inflation continues to go up and you continue to feel it. Studio 6B. Hey, G, let's quickly do 10 before we do sports with Rick and news with Paul here, just because I thought this was, you know, you listen, you, you look at, you look at what's going on with inflation. You look at what's going on with prices. You look what's going on with goods, services, all, all, everything that it affects what you're paying at the pump. Here's your energy secretary on, uh, on gas prices. Roll that. This president and this administration are looking at every single tool to shield American families from the impact of rising energy prices. And we're working through, we're working through an energy transition. And we've got to start by adding energy. And the reality is we have to take some time to get off of oil and gas. We recognize this. This is a transition. Thank transition, you. yeah. And I tweeted, um, I think in response to her. She's telling you, though. Can I, can I transition my bill over to you to pay it, maybe? No, I guess not. She's telling us what? She's telling us that to get your fossil fuels, everything's going to be, you know. Well, Biden told us that in Pennsylvania, didn't he? But, you know, they're acting it out. I mean. Well, sure. No one thought they were lying. At least I didn't. I don't so, believe they're going to get away with it. You know what I mean? That's what. All right, let's do sports and hear what that's uh, Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, still at halftime, 17-10, Tampa Bay leading the Giants, Monday night football. So we won't have that report until tomorrow night. See how I do. I got Tampa laying 11 points, not quite covering just yet. Um, NHL action, just a couple of quick scores. Uh, final, Blue Jackets over the Sabres, 7-4. to four. Uh, Avalanche and Senators tied at 2 with 10 minutes to go in the second. Jets lead the Penguins, 1-0, 12 to go in the second there. And the Predators lead the Ducks 2-1, also end of second period 
is the Golden Knights and Blues. Blues leading 4-2. Both those, like I said, second period. Um, and David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez among first-time candidates of the 2022 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. This is from Victor Barbosa of Yard Barker. The 2022 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot was released today, and fans of the Boston Red Sox and New York Yan- Yankees in particular will likely be keeping a close eye on a pair of newcomers. Uh, so David Ortiz and, Ortiz and Alex Rodriguez are arguably the two biggest names among the 13 former MLBs who are uh, making their debut on the ballot. Um, obviously, uh, Big Poppy had a great career. Uh, 10-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion with the Red Sox, and he won the Silver Slugger Award uh, back in 2004 and uh, World Series MVP back in 2013. Rodriguez uh, ranks in the top 10 all-time in home runs, 696 fourth all-time. RBIs, uh, 2086. Total bases, 5,800. And uh, the four players who are in their 10th and final year of eligibility are Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, and Sammy Sosa. A little steroid in there, so I don't know if those guys are going to ever get in, unfortunately, for them. Um, and uh, one more story, Big D. Uh, Henry Ruggs, uh, former Las Vegas Raider that was released after that horrific car accident, which left that young lady uh, uh, killed, the Tina Tinter, the 23-year-old from Las Vegas, and along with her dog and her SUV. Um, he was ordered under house arrest today because he failed to show up last week to a court appearance to monitor his blood alcohol level. So now they're giving him a monitor where his blood alcohol level is monitored 24-7. It's going to be monitored. So just uh, just a bad story. Terrible. But uh, Henry Ruggs just continuing not to learn this young man, 22 years old. And uh, that's a wrap in Sports Big D. Uh, We'll see how the Bucks do. We'll talk about that tomorrow night. Thank you. All right. Sounds good, Rick. Thanks very much. Uh, Let's do a little more news with Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, this is really it for me, but Black Lives Matter activist wonders whether the Waukesha attack linked to Rittenhouse verdict. Um, Black Lives Matter activist uh, Vaughn Mays suggested that Waukesha Christmas parade attack on Sunday might be linked to the retaliation for the Rittenhouse verdict. Uh, He speculated despite there being no evidence of a connection between the verdict and the attack, he arrived at the scene of the parade on the attack Monday and addressed his audience on Facebook in a live stream video saying, I don't know. Now we'll have to wait and see because they'll have to uh, have somebody in custody. We have we may have to wait and see what they say about what and why this happened. But it sounds possible that the revolution has started in Wisconsin. It started with this Christmas parade. So um, I just like to point out to all everybody that Kyle Rittenhouse went on, I believe, Tucker Carlson tonight aired the full interview for the first time and said in that interview that he supports the BLM movement. So um, I'm not really sure how the narrative works anymore against this kid when he, when he comes out and says that after he's been found uh, not guilty, innocent of the charges brought against him. He comes on Tucker Carlson on national TV and says, you know, this was never about race. I support the BLM movement. Maybe that guy didn't see that. <laughs> You know, I I don't think he's doing his deep dive research, to be honest. Well, maybe not. That's debatable, too. So, Um, all right. Anything else in news? No, I'm done. All right. uh, So opinion piece today in the Wall Street Journal. And we've talked about this before because, again, we talked about it after Virginia. It seemed like it didn't slow the Democrats down. You see the polling doesn't seem to, to slow the Democrats down, pushing forward on more spending. That doesn't seem to slow them down. 
possibly another stimulus. That hasn't slowed them down. The attacks on all of this, the attacks on you, the attacks on our economic system. And there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal today, opinion piece, entitled The Kamikaze Democrats. Pelosi and Biden march swing district house members right into the end of their careers. The Kyle Rittenhouse acquittal dominated the weekend news, but the more significant story for the long run was the House passage Friday of the multi-trillion dollar tax, climate, and entitlement spending bill. Speaker Nancy Pelosi marched her majority right off the cliff in 2010 with votes on Obamacare, and now she has done it again. The Speaker muscled the bill through on a 220 to 213 vote. No Republicans voted, and Representative Jared Golden of Maine was the sole Democrat who voted with the Republicans. Other swing district Democrats had made a show of demanding concessions in a bill that paid for itself, quote-unquote, but in the end, the bill didn't pay for itself, of course, even by the rigged rules of the Congressional Budget Office. But they still rolled over, as they always do, when Mrs. Pelosi gives the order. The 81-year-old Mrs. Pelosi is almost certainly retiring after this Congress, and this vote is a legacy project for her. But her younger members will have much to explain in 2022 as they defend this gargantuan, destructive, and unnecessary bill. There's the immigration provision that would give 6.5 million or so illegal migrants who have been in the country since 2011 a 10-year right to work in the U.S. This will probably be stripped from the bill in the Senate, but House members will be on the record for legalizing millions of migrants even as the border has become a lawless mess. The political effect will be to empower GOP restrictionists. Then there's the $8 billion methane free uh, methane fee that is in effect a tax on natural gas production and thus on consumer energy prices. The American Gas Association estimates this could raise the average family's natural gas bill by 20%. So this is also a violation of President Biden's pledge not to raise taxes on anyone earning less than 400000 a year. Senator Joe Manchin might strip this from the Senate bill, but Abigail Spanger from Virginia, Elisa Slotkin, Michigan, Mikey Sherrill from New Jersey, and the rest are now on record as supporting higher energy prices when they are already spiking in suburban areas. The moderates also voted for the tax cut for the rich in highest tax states by raising the SALT deduction to $80,000 from $10,000. The Penn-Wharton budget model says that the top 10% of taxpayers will get an 88% of the benefit from this provision. Most of those reside in coastal states run by Democrats. Mrs. Pelosi promised Democrats she would make them vote on a bill. Well, she did. And she walked them right off a cliff. We'll see. All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, guys, on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to Real America's Voice. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night for our final show of the week, live from Studio 6B.